Hola, I'm at a place called Vertigo. Don't stop. All right, I'm going to stop. I don't, I'm not going to torture you guys with my singing. What is up, my people? How the hell are you? I am so sorry that I am late with this first episode of the new year. 2024, man. And it's February. It's the day before, I think, the day before Valentine's Day that I am dropping this episode. Um... You know, I love you guys. You know, I have another job and, you know, life kind of takes over. But I always, always, always make time for you and make time to talk about what I love, what you love, what we have in common. And the one thing we appreciate all this wonderful, wonderful nerd stuff that you hear me go on about for about an hour of your day. So thank you for joining me for the first episode of 2024 of Heroes Retreat with Noel Cruz. I am Noel Cruz. I hope you guys had a wonderful new year. I hope it found you and your family and friends and loved ones healthy, happy, and in good spirits, man. I hope this is a good year ahead for everybody. The world is kind of in a crazy place right now, to say the least. So I really hope this is, you know, kind of rock bottom and we only go up from here, but Super Bowl was this past week, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I did very much. A lot of people kind of had different thoughts on it. They thought it was boring. I, I loved it. It was a heavily uh, defensive game. You know, the 49ers wouldn't budge, and, you know, Kansas City wouldn't budge. And up until the very end, you know, it was it was one hell of a hell of a game. You know, commercials could have been better. Obviously, I'm going to be biased and say that the Deadpool and Wolverine trailer and uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes because I love that that film trilogy. I, I enjoyed those two very much. But otherwise, I don't know about you guys, but I thought the commercials were, eh, you know, I think we're kind of spoiled. I think we had it better in the 2000s. Um, but uh, all in all, I thought it was a great Super Bowl. You know, I tip my hat to the Chiefs uh, and their quarterback, um, Mahomes, you know, I, that, that was one hell of a play, man. At the end of the at the end of the quarter, with three seconds left, it's like everybody that I was watching with, we're focusing on the clock, and clearly Kansas City was focusing on something else, because it was a hell of a game. It really was. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, another reason why I was delayed with dropping this episode is because there are two films that I specifically wanted to touch on. Um, not necessarily going to do a review on them. I'm going to give my thoughts on them. Um, but there, there are two that I didn't see in theaters. So one just recently dropped on streaming Disney Plus, which is The Marvels, uh, starring Brie Larson. And the other was the final film to Zack Snyder's DC Cinematic Universe, which is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Uh, I've seen a couple of other things as well. Uh, the Disney Plus series Echo, um, which I was pleasantly surprised with. I'll touch slightly on that. And we're also going to discuss um, the state of Marvel and the state of superhero films altogether because I, I feel that there's a collective fatigue um, that is noticeable, um, that is definitely prevalent. It's there. And, you know... In some instances, I can be very forgiving. And in other instances, it's just like, you know, you have to agree with the masses, you know. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my perspective on both. So um, I hope you're enjoying your ride to work or your ride home. Kick back, relax. Uh, you know, as I always say, grab your favorite drink. 
I'm still going to do an episode where I'm going to fill this bad boy up with bourbon. <laughs> We're going to have fun with that one. That's that's going to be a good day, I'll tell you that. But it's not going to be today because I work tomorrow. And another reason why I started the episode with Vertigo by U2 is because this week I am going to Las Vegas, baby. Viva Las Vegas. I'm going to Vegas to the sphere to see U2 perform uh, along with my boy Alex, Alex Matus. Um, we're heading over there. Uh, should be a lot of fun. So on my next episode, I will definitely touch base on that. Um, not sure if many of you know, but U2 is my favorite rock band of all time. I know that's a very, very, uh, how can I say, controversial choice given the multitude of great rock bands, but I grew up with them. You know, they are a part of my, you know, their soundtrack is a part of my life. Or better said, their music is a soundtrack of my life. You know, I, I could hear mysterious ways and I know that I was, you know, in my second year of high school, I could hear with or without you and tell you in detail who the girl was that I broke up with that I dedicated that song to. I could listen to one and so on and so forth. So this should be a real treat. It's probably going to be my 11th time seeing them, seeing them at Madison Square Garden, seeing them at uh, MetLife Stadium, saw them in Giant Stadium when that was still a thing. Um... So it should be one hell of a, uh, a time. Also, the Sphere is like the most technically advanced venue. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. Uh, go to uh, www.sphereLasVegas.com, I believe, or just go to uh, U2's website. I believe their um, residency is there until March. Uh, so we're going to like one of the very few shows that are remaining before they end their time there. So it should be one hell of a show. Um but we're not here to talk about music. That was just for the intro, baby. It's a good song for the treadmill, too. Um, but we're here to talk about superheroes, superhero films. And we are going to start it off with what was for me a very, very difficult film to watch. As I've gotten older, I've, I've become a little bit more critical of the way I am critical to certain things you know what I mean I mean I kind of see it as everything is art to a degree you know I mean people put time and effort to paint to make music to design to create and I just don't want to be that person to shit on it oh that was terrible I mean yeah okay you know it could have been better I I, I will make a, a conceited effort to be like this is what I thought was weak this is what I thought, you know, needed more or less or what have you. But um, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Man, that was a rough one to watch. We're going to start off on that because that film signified the end to just out of the gate was a disaster by Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers... Warner Brothers Pictures had, or, or better said, did not have a blueprint of what they wanted their superhero cinematic universe to be. And that is, for me at least, incredibly frustrating because Warner Brothers owns the rights to DC Comics. They've done Batman and Superman I mean, I think, honestly, Batman is the most seen superhero on any media. In film, 
on TV. He's been done time and again, and, and he is there. He has to be, I guess, the, the face of DC Comics. He really does. All of the Superman efforts were not nearly as good. Of course, Superman, 1978, Christopher Reeve is the fucking standard. That is, to me, the greatest superhero film of all time. And as I've said time and again, my favorite film in general of all time. But as Superman 2 went on, that was great. But then you had Superman 3, Superman 4, Superman Returns was... uh, Man of Steel was great. But then Batman and Superman was just a clusterfuck of, you know, what am I watching? Like, why are they getting so many things wrong? You know, and it, it has not been easy. It has not been an easy transition where Marvel just had, I mean, they had one hell of a blueprint. And, you know, in that first phase with introducing everyone leading up to the Avengers, I mean, that was to a degree poetically done. I couldn't go back and rethink of a way to reintroduce everybody the way they did it for phase one. It was brilliant. And then the thing is, if you think about it, they did phase one with technically what they considered at the time a second tier character, which was Iron Man. And look at the final product. They stayed consistent. They stayed the course. They started with Iron Man and literally ended with Iron Man in Endgame. He was the one to bring everything back in a time of, of I guess, you know, the, the crisis in that cinematic universe. But going back to DC, it was just, it was really, really rough watching Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. First and foremost, it was, if I could give you the shortest description of it, it was an unnecessary sequel that nobody really asked for. And DC has a tendency to do this shit because they did it with Shazam. All right. On the count of three, everybody raise your hand if you wanted to see a sequel to Shazam. Ready? One, two, three. I'm still waiting for somebody to put their hand up. That's my point. Nobody asked for that shit. And if you were an unfortunate soul like I was who went to the theater and said, you know what, the comic book lover in me is going to see this because I'm sure it's going to have something appealing. I was mistaken. It was a necessary, nobody asked for it, and it's just further proof that Disney, not Disney, excuse me, Warner Brothers, was focusing on all the wrong shit, on all the wrong things. For that movie to have, with all due respect, Helen Mirren, who's an incredible actress of her time, if you look at her body of work, if I ever run into her on the street, I'm going to be like, Helen, how are you? I love your work. Real quick. What the fuck? Shazam 2, why? Like, did you need money? I could lend you money. Like, what what happened? You know? And then Lucy Liu, which I just didn't understand the casting choice. I have nothing against Lucy Liu, but I didn't understand the casting choice for that. Honestly speaking. Like... I would honestly cast Lucy Liu if you want me to flip it. I would cast her as Lois Lane because she just has that gritty quality to her. She's tough. She's She has a lot of that, you know, Lois Lane, those traits 
she's played that character in many different ways. But in Shazam 2, how does she fit? Like, none of those characters fit. Aquaman was the same thing. It was literally Jason Momoa playing Aquaman imitating Jason Momoa. It was just, it was, it felt like it was written in a bar at, on a Tuesday at one in the morning after doing a couple of rounds of shots going, oh, you know what else we should do in this and that, you know, let's add this and, oh, let's make it that every time, you know, Aquaman's baby pees, he pees in his mouth. You know, it, it was just, it was horrible. And then there was a distraction, of course, which for some reason, DC could not allude towards the end of its cinematic run. First, you had the Ezra Miller situation and then Amber Heard's situation with Johnny Depp that was all over the media and in the public eye. She's in the film for maybe, maybe 10 minutes. You could have completely eradicated, well, not eradicated, that's a very strong choice of words, excuse me. You could have edited all of her scenes and it would ha- it would not have made one significant difference. Not an iota of a difference. So my whole point, you know, and, and then the problem is that you're kind of watching this now and it, it's it's a distraction you can't shake. You know what I mean? She was great in the first Aquaman film. I really liked her in Justice League. I thought she was beautiful. She looked exactly like Mira. She was strong. She was very much Arthur's, um, I guess, his counterpart. You know, she's not a damsel in distress. Mira, <laughs> pardon my French, Mira's a bad bitch. She's powerful. She is a warrior. She is not to be taken for granted. You know what I mean? Or not underestimated, better said. So when she fought um, in Justice League, when she fought uh, Steppenwolf, I was really impressed. I was like, all right, they're doing her character justice. Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom didn't fucking matter. She could have been a fart in the wind and we wouldn't have been none the wiser. Black Manta looked phenomenal. Every time he was on screen is when my attention would come back to the film. Otherwise, Ocean Master, the plot, the story, it was just, you know, certain certain effects of it. Now, the first film... I really enjoyed. There was a part of the movie where it, it definitely got a little comic booky, particularly I think when Aquaman was going to fight Ocean Master, and they kind of set it up to look like a video game, in in underwater like video game in the ocean, like they showed Aquaman's stats and his strengths and all this shit. And I was like, hold on a second, like, okay, so it, it kind of made me realize at that point that I was looking at something that was going to be a bit on the campier side. Like, I can't expect Shakespeare. This guy can fucking breathe underwater. Like, you know, you have to suspend some disbelief. So I was like, okay. And I enjoyed it, especially when he came out in the orange and green suit with the with the um, trident. I was like, all right, this is good shit. It was a fun movie. Grossed over or almost a billion dollars. So it's a testament that it, it was good. Here, whew, it was rough. Man, it was really rough. To such a degree that the way they ended a film had to do with somebody eating. All I'm going to say is this. I don't want to give much away. But the final, final scene, the final cut scene, literally has to do with somebody eating a roach burger. I'll say it again. 
a roach burger. If that is not the bow to tie the box of absolute bullshit that Zack Snyder's universe was, with very, very few glimmers of brilliance and promise, I don't I don't know what else to say. I don't. Now going from Aquaman to Zack Snyder's universe, you know, this is a guy clearly, and I was rooting for Zack. I remember when he got Man of Steel. I was really excited, and my excitement stemmed from me seeing him do Watchmen. In my opinion, Watchmen is his finest hour, by far and away, even more so than Man of Steel. I appreciated a lot of what he did for Man of Steel, a whole lot, given my deep affection for Superman. He didn't try to reinvent the wheel. He kept a lot of the elements kind of from that, from the Richard Donner film, the original Superman, modernized it. Russell Crowe's Jarrell was great. Michael Shannon as General Zod was fucking phenomenal. The whole point that the Codex is ingrained in, you know, Kal-El's DNA, literally making him the last son of Krypton because Krypton is in his DNA. All of that, the score, everything. The, the 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 fight sequences some people were like well I thought there was a little too much destruction in the film I'm like wait a minute and you're entitled to your opinion don't get me wrong but like think about it first you have a man who could literally push the planet out of orbit and destroy it if he chose to fighting against a group of supervillains that have the same power what did you expect? A fight in Times Square where they blow up the Coca-Cola sign like in 1982? No, it's going to be a cataclysmic fucking event. These people have no regard for humanity, so the level of destruction has to be considerable. And the segue to that going into Batman versus Superman was also incredibly promising. That opening sequence where Bruce Wayne goes to Metropolis and he's running towards what gave me flashbacks of 9-11, you know, I'm a New Yorker, I was I was here, I remember 9-11 vividly, you know, and seeing people run away, like, it's the real fucking deal, this was real, we all worked at a bar downtown when this happened, we could still smell the smoke in West Village for almost months at a time after those towers fell, we could smell it in the air, I remember the, the, the jets, you know, circling over the skies of Manhattan, you'd hear them, hauling ass you know it, it was a moment in time so to see that done cinematically in a way triggered a lot of things to me individually because I remember seeing people running away from the collapsing towers the smoke and then when they take something and they you know so that's very personal to me but then when they take something as much as I love as Batman a hero running towards the smoke and me my dedication to the character and my loyalty to the character and growing up on the character and knowing that that is something that Bruce Wayne would do 100% because it is a fucking mechanism it's a reaction he doesn't know danger 
You know what I mean? So that was done beautifully. Beautifully. Not only that, but it's also Wayne. It happens to be Wayne Tower that's collapsing. So it was just incredibly well done. Fucking Ben Affleck. I'll defend him to my dying day. One of the best Batman, without a doubt. Still, to me, the most visually accurate. I know I've said it before, and you guys probably mouthed it as I was saying it, but he was, at least in the first film. I don't know what the fuck they did to him in The Flash with that really weird helmet, but anyway, still top three Batman for me. So that's where Zack Snyder started. Now, Batman versus Superman had a lot of... It had more questions at least from me, than satisfaction. Like, I was like, why did they choose this? Why did they choose this Lex Lex Luthor? Where are they going with this plot? Like, to me, it was just too much. There were just too many unnecessary things in this. this. This would only become more apparent as Snyder's work went on. The only saving grace... In that film, Batman vs. Superman, was the introduction of Wonder Woman. And of course, say it with me all together now, the warehouse fight scene. That focused on who? Batman. Superman throughout the movie looked sullen, depressed, he wasn't happy. He looked like he's even losing his hair, no fucking around. Watch the movie, he has a little bit of a receding hairline. But you kind of questioned a lot, what did Zack Snyder do? Then you had Wonder Woman, which he really didn't have a hand in, but he did have influence. Wonder Woman, amazing. You're going in the right direction. Then we get Wonder Woman 1984. As much as I love Gal Gadot and I would wash her laundry by hand, do yourself a favor and skip this movie. There really is, especially now, not a real good reason to see it. If you want to see Wonder Woman, see the first Wonder, see Batman versus Superman, the first Wonder Woman, and then Justice League. Even both versions of Justice League, just to give you that sense of difference artistically, because Josh Whedon, the guy who did the first two Avengers film, was the director for the theatrical release of Justice League, and then you had Zack Snyder's four-hour version. <sighs> Which two hours he dedicated to absolutely meaningless shit that really had no consequence. And if you want to take it even further, he recently released something on Netflix called Rebel Moon that has been in two parts. Part one got panned out the gate. People absolutely and utterly annihilated this Netflix film. And then the second part was even worse. The problem, I think, is Zack Snyder is that he gives in too much to his bad instincts. Too much of that ridiculous slow motion shit. He has a slow motion fetish, without a doubt. Without It's, it's everywhere with this dude. And it gets potentially worse as his films go along. Hence why his Justice League was four fucking hours. You remove 12 of the slow motion sequences, movie's an hour and a half. And that's all it needed to be. But you go from that to, you know, Aquaman, which is good. The first Shazam, I really enjoyed knowing the character. 
And there was a bit of promise. I wasn't crazy about the casting. What's his name? Zach Levi or whatever his name is. I wasn't really into it. But the spirit was there. The Billy Bats, especially I think my favorite scene in the movie is something as simple as when he's running off a roof and he jumps in the air and he screams Shazam and he gets hit by lightning and then Shazam, you know, he forms into Shazam and he takes off. It was fun. I didn't ask for a sequel. I didn't need one. If I saw him later down the road in a Justice movie, awesome. Nobody wanted that sequel, bro. I promise you. The Flash. Not perfect. But the distractions, the outside distractions definitely hurt this film. It didn't do Zack Snyder any justice. And at that point, it really didn't matter because I don't think he was as deeply affiliated as he was from the very beginning. So this was just DCU releasing the film based on the character. They touch on Wonder Woman. Batman is there. They even go back and bring back Michael Keaton, which is probably the best part of the film to see him again. But again, uh, Supergirl was phenomenal. Um, which they've just recast for James Gunn's DC Universe, but we'll get to that in a second. Entertaining film. I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, the cutscene I thought was hilarious. The very end of the scene, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to give it away. A uh, Batman shows up who it is. I don't want to give away if they would have left it there, I would have enjoyed it even more. But then they put in a necessary cutscene where, now this I will spoil because it's just going directly into Aquaman. It shows Ezra Miller, Barry Allen walking out of a bar with Jason Momoa's uh, Arthur Curry, and he smashed as always, and he falls into a, a puddle on the sidewalk, and then that's it. So th- that that was their setup. For the sequel to Aquaman. Aquaman walking pissed, drunk out of a bar, falling in a puddle of, for all we know, is piss. Because the piss story, the piss jokes in the sequel are all over the place. And that was a setup for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. And it all ends with somebody eating a roach burger. That's, that's hard. Given these characters, that's really fucking hard to accept. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. And right about now, it's about the size of a pinhead. And that light is now in the lap of James Gunn. He has just casted everyone for his film, Superman Legacy. This will be the launch of his DC Cinematic Universe. And in this film alone, you have Green Lantern, you have Hawkgirl, Lex Luthor, I believe uh, Supergirl will also be in it. Uh, Millie Alcock, the young lady who is a, uh, the young queen uh, in the new Game of Thrones series, House of Dragons. Uh, she plays a younger version of the Targaryen queen. Um... She is said to be Supergirl. Nicholas Holt is said to be Lex Luthor. Nicholas Holt, you'll know him from the X-Men films. He was a young beast in First Class and in uh, Days of Future Past, which I absolutely love. So definitely a better casting choice than Jesse fucking Eisenberg. Thank God. Moving on. 
And the lead, which is interesting to me, but I have a good feeling about it because he is an unknown. They're going the way of Christopher Reeve with this little move. His name is David uh, Corns- Cornsweat. Cornsweat, if I'm not if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Now they've already done a bunch of, uh, you know how AI art is all over the place, artificial intelligent like artwork. They've already put him in the suit. He looks great, very much. Now I'm sure they probably did this with Photoshop or whatever, but he in certain pictures he looks a lot like Christopher Reeve, a lot. So if they pull that off this time around, not that it has to be, but we'll see. We'll you know we'll see. It'll, it'll definitely do a lot better than what they did with Christopher Reeve in The Flash. Even though I still think that was one of the coolest fucking things in that movie when they when they paid homage to him and to Nicolas Cage and definitely to Adam West and definitely to George Reeves. Um, one of the better parts, probably the best part of that film, in my humble opinion. But let's see what James Gunn does. Let's see if we finally, as I've spoken to with my nephews and my friends, let's see if we get that comic book Batman. All right, we got Michael Keaton, who is OG. We had Adam West, who was campy love, fucking the cheesiest of cheese, which was the best. We got Ben Affleck, who was the best looking Batman. We got, you know, Christopher, no- uh, not Christopher Nolan. We got uh, Christian Bale, who is probably the standard, you know, with the exception of his, you know, voice, <laughs> which was comical at times. But we all know that Bale is the creme de he's he is the creme de la creme, the caviar Batman. He was the finest, for sure. Let's see if with James Gunn's universe we get the Batman that sits at the computer with his cowl over his shoulders and the humongous dinosaur in the back cave with the big penny and the Joker card and the cases with the suits. Let's get to bring that shit to life. And if anybody could do it. It's going to be my man, James Gunn. I just, I have a really good feeling about where he's going with this. Now that I've spoken about DC, let's shift over to Marvel. Because Marvel, I feel like a a lot of people are turning their back on Marvel. And it it kind of, I'm not going to lie, kind of pisses me off. And let me tell you why. But first, a quick swig from one of our sponsors. I'm kidding. I don't have any sponsors. I'm just thirsty. Hold on a second. All right. So, lately, I feel like people have been a little too critical of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I've, I've, you know, I always try to take people's opinion and absorb them and find the truth in what they say or or find the the agreeable in what they say but i think that a lot of it too quite frankly is from a perspective of us being fucking spoiled with marvel i mean what they did starting with iron man and ending with endgame is unprecedented to this day Till this day, you know, I, I'm sure that Secret Wars is going 
to be unbelievable. I have very little doubt that it will either hold up to or exceed what Infinity War and Endgame were. But it's a process to get there. And the process this time around has been a little bit bumpy out of the gate. You know, I'm finding that people are often saying that certain things in the Marvel Universe suck or, oh, that looks stupid or, um, no, that that's not going to work. But my thing is this. Have you seen it? Any of this stuff that you're being critical about, like She-Hulk has gotten a ton of shit. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a really cool perspective of the character. I was not a She-Hulk fanatic growing up, but whenever she was in certain comics, she definitely stood out. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. People shit on that too. I'm like, what? What were you watching? Because the Falcon and Winter Soldier that I watched, I thought was great. I thought it was really great. Especially based on the sequel to Captain America Winter Soldier, which is one of my favorite Marvel films. That movie definitely has to be top 10, top 5 Marvel, uh, top 10 Marvel films. You know what I mean? So I didn't understand the hate. Hawkeye was fun. Wasn't great. But didn't need to. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because I'm of a generation where we didn't even have Spider-Man. All we had was Batman and Superman. Spider-Man was a dream. Spider-Man, we would talk about, you know, when we heard that James Cameron was going to direct Spider-Man after seeing Terminator 2, all the nerds lost their collective fucking minds. We were like, oh my God, can you imagine? Can you imagine? We were one step closer. Until that point, we had... That dude in Spider-Man pajamas scaling the side of the Empire State Building and you could clearly see he's being pulled up by a rope. You know what I mean? And his web was a thick-ass piece of rope from a hardware store. Like, this is what we had to deal with. Don't get me started on the Captain America. Don't get me started on the Captain America TV show and that plastic fucking shield. Please don't get me started. Because this podcast is going to be three hours of me ranting and you guys don't want that. So that's the world that me and a lot of people my age, we came from. I, I appreciate those things now because I'm older and I see, as comical as they may be, especially the fucking Captain America TV show. And the movie, they actually did a Captain America movie as well where his ears were rubber. Look it up. <laughs> you know, so to see my childhood imagination come to life and far exceed what I ever thought could be possible. Because even in my imagination back then, I pictured there would be restrictions. Oh, there's no way in hell they're going to make an Iron Man movie where he can fly and look cool. It's just not possible. Here we are. Three Iron Man films and five appearances later, or six appearances later. And Robert Downey Jr. is fucking Tony Stark as Christopher Reeve is Superman. As Michael Keaton is Batman forever right look at the spider-man movies we've gotten i saw the marvels and all i kept I, I i waited for it to drop on disney plus which was i think last week and i saw it i actually saw it twice all i kept seeing the marvels lowest grossing movie in the marvel cinematic universe 
the Marvels pushing uh, 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 an agenda of feminism, the Marvels, um, you know, just nonsense, just people focusing on the wrong shit. It's a comic book movie. If you didn't see the Marvels and you're shitting on the film because you thought the TV show uh, Miss Marvel was crap, but you didn't see it, keep your mouth shut. See the movie first. And I don't want to offend anybody, but come on, man. Let's let's be for real here. If you didn't see it, if you don't have an actual critique of it, like keep you have an opinion at that point. You have nothing else. Cause you didn't commit to the time or you didn't commit to the episodes, to the dialogue, to the actors. I think her name is uh, Iman Valari, the young lady who plays Miss Marvel. I absolutely love the kid. She really won me over. She's incredibly, incredibly charming. Uh, Iman Velani, incredibly charming. It played like, um, like an after-school special when I was a kid. It had a lot of, you know, she she's in high school or junior high school for Christ's sake. But the show was entertaining. I wasn't a fan. I'll be honest right now. I wasn't a fan of Captain Marvel of the first film. I thought it was okay. It's like on the lowest of my Marvel viewing list. It wasn't terrible. It was okay. I'm not a fan of the cat, the alien cat, like eating people up and shit. I'm like, all right, that's a bit much. I definitely wasn't happy at the fact that the way Nick Fury lost his eye was because the cat scratched them. I thought that was stupid. I thought that was absolutely stupid. But talk to me about Brie Larson in Avengers Endgame. In the small appearance she had, she fucking killed it. She was phenomenal. And here in the Marvels, she brings back that sense of charm, that sense of action to see the power that she has is, is awe-inspiring you know and the third character the other uh miss marvel monica rambeau uh played by i think her name is T- uh tiona paris if i'm not mistaken she the origin of her character came from wandavision so if you didn't see wandavision and you don't know who she is yeah you may have a little bit of you know reluctance to I don't know developing an attachment to her character but in this she was really good and she plays a pivotal character she plays a daughter of uh, Captain Marvel's best friend who turns out to be another version of Miss Marvel the film was fun it was lighthearted. the effects were a thousand times better and more cohesive than anything in Aquaman to the Lost Kingdom. The fight sequences were a thousand, in my opinion, they were fucking better. They were more fluid and they looked better. Perfect example, the fight in the Justice League films and the fight in on the beach with the Eternals. The Eternals looked more to me like the Justice League than the fucking Justice League was supposed to look like the Justice League. Come on, man. You don't need to see the whole movies. Just literally fast forward to those two points. And you tell me who doesn't look better. What doesn't look more fluid? So clearly one product is more superior than the other. And it shows. I wish it weren't the case. I wish both. And I'm hoping that this new 
James Gunn DC Universe thrives. I hope that it does phenomenal. I hope that it could stand, if not exceed what Marvel has done. Let Marvel take a break, take a knee, like take five, have a cigarette and coffee. We'll be back. And let DC have its fucking day, man. You have, you have a vault of stories and heroes to introduce. I particularly am excited to see Hawkman, Green Lantern, properly done. My nephew Sean asked me the other day to explain myself as to why I had the Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds in my iTunes library. Because I enjoyed it. I hated his mask. But I enjoyed it because I like Green Lantern. I do. I like Hal Jordan. And because of the animated series, I like... um, Shit, not John Jones. Whatever his name is. Uh... Uh, the the other uh, the other marine who becomes a Green Lantern. You know what I mean? It's like you have all of this within arm's length. Get the right people to do it. John Stewart, sorry, that's a Green Lantern I was speaking about, the one from the animated series. You know, y- you have all of this history. Why? I get money's the end game here but if i ever saw any marvel movie and said yeah they did this shit for the money i i've never felt that to date with any marvel movie and they all haven't been gold they really haven't they've been good some i like more than others some i feel were really just beaten up like the eternals and miss marvel even thor the dark world the second Thor movie. I like that one more than I like Thor Love and Thunder. I just thought Thor Love and Thunder overdid it with the comedy. It just it was too fucking much. And it has Christian Bale as the villain. But it was just too much. And even they realize it at this point, which is why now they're looking to bring Thor back more to his, you know, his his warrior, his godlike being easy on the comedy i mean they did it well in infinity war they did it very well in infinity war in endgame it was a delicate balance but in thor love and thunder they're going that fucking jason momoa aquaman route like we don't that's old already do something fresh do something new. oh by the way if you guys do see thor love and thunder i just found out the day before yesterday that the little girl at the end of the film that's chris hemsworth actual daughter i had no idea Right? How cool is that? I was like, holy shit. No way. I don't, again, I have no idea why I was looking that up or how I even came across it, but that little girl is his actual daughter, which I think is cool. But anyway, so getting back to the Marvels, you know, it was a really entertaining film. It had a really, really cool. Uh, cutscene at the end which I mean if we're not already at the point of the multiverse coming through I don't know what is but somebody makes a special appearance only to solidify what group is soon coming out of the box I mean already if you saw the Super Bowl this past weekend you know that Hugh Jackman is in Deadpool and he's not playing Mother Teresa we all know who he's playing to such a degree that even 
the people who are not comic book fans who are in the apartment that we were watching the Super Bowl in, they said, oh my God, is he Wolverine again? Is he coming back as Wolverine? And they got excited. So it goes to show you the 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 loyalty. If you do something good, people remember. So now you have Deadpool, which was called Deadwood, Deadpool 3. And now it's called Deadpool and Wolverine. We all know where this is headed. If you guys haven't seen how he looks, straight out of the fucking, straight out of the cartoon. How about that? The yellow and blue, uh, not spandex, but like the yellow and blue costume. Hugh Jackman looks phenomenal. I mean, this guy's been doing it since 2000, people. He's been doing this shit for 24 years. X-Men came out in 2000 and he still looks fucking incredible. Good for him. Now, ironically, that was the only, not ironically, unfortunately, that was the only trailer we had for anything comic book related. I was hoping that maybe we would have gotten a Joker Folio Do teaser, but knowing DC now under under the guidance of James Gunn, and I believe his name is Peter Safran or whatever his name is, they're holding their cards very, very, very close to the chest. So these reveals are going to be big as they come down the line. But that being said, you know, in Marvel's defense, COVID didn't help. I remember the first film that came out after COVID was Black Widow. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. People were bitching about the special effects. If you see that movie... And you really see a special effect that is that jarring or displeasing? Please drop me a line. Hit me up on Instagram and be like, hey, Noel, look at this. Unacceptable. Like, I just feel like people are nitpicking. You know, they're, they're looking for shit that really isn't there. They're forgetting about things. Oh, well, you know, this wave of films have been weak. Nothing has really been good. Really? What about Wakanda Forever? Where do you leave Spider-Man No Way Home? Where do you leave Spider-Man across the universe? Not to mention some of the best TV that's been out for a while. Secret Invasion with Samuel L. Jackson. If you haven't seen that, and again, you've criticized it without seeing it, then you're part of the problem. See it. And if you really tell me, no, this was shit, this was terrible, and, and you can back up your argument. I will respect it 100%. 100%. I'll be like, you know what? I see your point. I may disagree with you, but I see your point. But don't don't piss on these things, you know, because for the sake of hating, man, it, there's enough of that shit in the world on a more serious level. You know, if you get an opportunity, date night, maybe even for Valentine's Day, you know, for the ladies, man, see... The Marvels. You know, we need more. We need more female comic book lovers in our in our lot. Everybody. Race, age, gender, however you identify, the more the merrier, because the more of us that love this shit, the more of us are going to get hopefully quality product that we could talk about. We could rave about. We could disagree about and we could. Just appreciate so check it out the marvels 
streaming now on Disney Plus. Aquaman two, avoid like the plague or a root canal. Echo. Echo. I'm gonna end the podcast on that note. Echo was a character. Apparently, she, she's definitely in the comics. I did not know of her in the comics. Um, I don't read comics nearly as much as I used to this day and age, but she is a comic book character in the Marvel Universe. She is of Native American descent, uh, and she is mute. In the TV show, she is. she was actually introduced in Hawkeye, which is even more of a reason to watch Hawkeye uh, with Jenner, uh, Jeremy Renner. And Haley, uh, I believe her name is Haley Sayfield, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, um, who I love. I think she's phenomenal. I love that kid. Uh, but Echo is a character who is pretty much, I don't want to say she's an assassin in um, Hawkeye, but she is like a gun for hire. And in this TV show, she is associated to Wilson Fisk, who is a kingpin in Daredevil. Her character was incredibly interesting because she was very intense. She has a very intense look on her face throughout most of Hawkeye. And in the TV show, she holds to that. Now, the lead actress's name is Alakwa Cox. And for you as an actor not to be able to convey emotion verbally, the intensity of that because she is mute and because she has to sign, it's just more kind of captivating to me. Now, My nephew Sean told me that he did enjoy the show very much, but he pointed something out and he said that it looks like something that would would have been done on the CW. And I agree. I mean, they're not going to throw all their money into smaller productions like this. Hence, one of the biggest arguments of She-Hulk was that the CG was a bit shoddy and it was. Especially as She-Hulk. I mean, if you're going to release that and that character is going to be primarily CG, that budget is going to need to up the ante considerably. It was one of the most expensive shows they've ever made. But with Echo, it touches on quite a few tropes. It touches on Native Americans who, as of this year, have been put in quite a large spotlight, which I think is phenomenal. Killers of the Flower Moon being one of them, the... the, uh, Martin Scorsese film with Leonardo DiCaprio, which I saw, highly recommended. It's almost four hours, so if you can, see it in two parts. Uh, It's easier to digest that way, because four hours is just, it's a bit much for anything. Especially Zack Snyder's Justice League. Moving on. Um, But, again, um, the themes of her Native American heritage, the fight sequences... The plot, the storyline, it moves along very, very well. It moves along at a steady pace. It stays consistent. Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin hits it out of the park again. You get a cameo by one of my boys, one of my favorite 
Marvel Cinematic Universe characters makes an appearance um, and this kind of all leads back at the very end of the show to potentially a season 2 if we get it cool if we don't okay as long as I see her down the road again as long as I see this character uh, played by Alakwa Cox Maya, Maya Lopez I believe is a, is the lead character's name um, I am enthusiastic about it I appreciated the show that much. It is definitely worth the watch, especially with where it's going, where this is kind of leading to, which is ultimately Daredevil Born Again, now done under the Disney MCU banner. So this means that he now, if you've seen Spider-Man No Way Home, which I'm sure the majority of my listeners at this point have, you see that Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock is in it. So now he lives in this world where Spider-Man is, where Iron Man was, where Thor is. So this excites me because I'm thinking down the road. When Secret Wars happened in the comic books in the 1980s, every single superhero, I think even fucking Howard the Duck, was involved in one way, shape, or form. But to think that we're finally going to see Daredevil, which I'm sure, now I'm not, this is my perspective. It's not a rumor, it's not fact. But I'm sure where Daredevil is, Ghost Rider is sure to follow. So if Ghost Rider is sure to follow, we already know Moon Knight is here. And if Moon Knight is here, we already know Blade, which has been in production hell mostly to the writer's strike. And to, uh, to COVID, you get something called the Midnight Suns. If you want to know what that is, Google it. But it's a collection of these characters as a team, the Midnight Suns. The whole terrain changes with these storylines because it deals with supernatural. It deals with darker elements. Daredevil was always a more adult-themed comic book superhero. He wasn't Shazam. He wasn't lighthearted. I mean, it was pretty, pretty intense, which is why I love Daredevil. On a personal note, as I've mentioned before, my older brother, Victor, who was a huge part of my influence in loving this stuff, he really didn't like heroes. Victor always leaned more towards the villain, always. Dr. Doom, Magneto, he was, my brother was impressed with the way villains had power and how they could distribute it how they could afflict it how how they would display their power he was impressed by that by kingpin but there were very few heroes he liked and the three he did was thor daredevil and the incredible hulk so wherever i get my memory from the stories the 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 understanding of these characters comes from him my brother tony was always iron man and as for me it was Batman and Superman and Spider-Man. But this does look incredibly promising. And to think that with Echo, after all, you know, the shit talking and the bashing of Marvels and, you know, even my nephew Devin, he saw Marvels and he admitted to me, he's like, it really wasn't that bad. You know, he's like, I could have done without the musical number, (laughs) but it wasn't that bad. And it's true. You know, I, I hope people start appreciating 
the work that's put into these films before being so critical. So if you get a chance, check it out. If you get a chance, definitely check out Echo. If I had to say one over the other, I would say see Echo first, only because I think they're like 40-minute episodes, and then see Miss Marvel's. I'm sure you're going to enjoy them both. Any feedback is always appreciated on my Instagram handle, which is primarily where I communicate and respond with my listeners. Heroes Retreat Podcast on Instagram. Shoot me a message. Follow me. I put up as much information as I can when I uh, when I get news or something that's uh, pretty important or something that has to do with my podcast. Guys, this is my time. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, it was a little bit on the lighter side, but I feel good. I, I wanted to uh, to definitely record this episode, and I definitely wanted to reach out to you guys. I, I as always, I'm eternally grateful for for your your time, for you listening, for your communications with me on the episodes. What you think, what you liked, what you didn't, what you want to hear. So, speaking of that, um. I like doing top 25s, right? Or top 10s. That's I have a lot of fun during those episodes. Um, if you guys heard my last two-parter, which was top 25 films, my favorites, I think you would see I had a really good time with that episode. So I'm going to do another one. But this top 25 episode is going to be the top 25 cinematic moments of superhero films. And by that I mean moments in these movies that were iconic, that were game changers, that left indelible impressions in your mind that you will never forget. Some that are the standards, some that changed the genre, some that were revolutionary, and some that are just based on my personal opinion or my personal preference so look out because it might that one might be a two-parter as well we'll have fun with that but in the meantime guys thank you for taking the time to listen i hope uh you appreciated this episode i hope you agree with me if you disagree with me let me know uh i appreciate that too all right till then be safe be happy be tolerant Be patient, take care of yourselves, take care of those you love, and I will see you on the next episode of Heroes Retreat with Noel Cruz. You guys are the absolute best. I love you all. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.